Welcome to the Women in ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. This is episode 10, in which I interview Brianna Plyler. Brianna, or Bree, lives in South Carolina, where she and her husband are the owners of Odin Custom Construction. And she's also the creator of The House That ADHD Built, an online community centered around helping those with ADHD learn to love themselves and their brains. As Bree says, quote, I believe that the key to unlocking our gifts is to learn to observe our challenges instead of judging them. As an entrepreneur with ADHD and a relentless optimist, my passion is sharing the message that struggles and success go hand in hand. Brie is also a regular contributor to ADHD Lifestyle Magazine. She was diagnosed with combined inattentive hyperactive about a year ago at age 34. And she's also in what feels like the minority of women with ADHD who has always exhibited physical hyperactivity. So she talks about what that feels like and also some of the stigma she's historically experienced around that. We also talk about the importance of the online community and feeling accepted after you've been diagnosed and finding and building your tribe, especially if you're not getting the necessary in-person support from the people in your day-to-day life. And we talk about her Fun Fails Fridays and owning your mistakes and how important failing is to the process of growth, not only as a business owner, but in your life in general. This episode is packed with lots of wisdom, so enjoy. All right, so to get started, um, why don't you just tell me about like what kind of made you first think you even had ADHD, how long ago that was, and what kind of led up to you getting diagnosed? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because my brother was diagnosed as a kid. Um, I think he was probably six or seven, and other than an IEP, that was kind of the end of of what happened with that. Um, my parents didn't necessarily quote unquote believe in it and they didn't want to put him on medication. So he received no treatment. Um, and I did really well in school. So aside from talking a ton and struggling socially, there were no indicators that I might have ADHD, I guess. Um, and a few years ago, um, my cousin started exploring whether her younger kids may have ADHD. And I was a total jerk. I I told her, change their diet, reduce sugar, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, she was explaining to me, I guess she was my first um, introduction to the idea that adult women could have ADHD, right. Or really girls at all. I don't think up until then I'd ever met a girl with ADD or ADHD. Um, and my husband also was diagnosed as a child, but that's a different story. So as Jen and I were talking about it, she explained it in ways where I was like, wait a minute, is this something that I could have? So my first move was buying the book. You mean you're not lazy, stupid, or crazy. And that was the end of that. I, I'm very passionate about mental health anyway. I was prior. I'd already planned to go to school to become a therapist or go back to school to become a therapist once our business was off the ground. So I was already really deep into the mental health world. Um, so this just triggered my hyper focus to research basically nothing but ADHD for a while. Um, and I had recently started with a new therapist and I'm so grateful that she was very well versed in ADHD. She had a son who had ADHD that she'd adopted. Um, so when I brought it up to her, we were working on cognitive behavioral therapy to work through some other traumas. 
Um, and I brought it up to her a couple of times. She's like, okay, we'll explore it. And then um, the more I was like, I, I really want to work on this. She finally was just like, all right, let's do it. And kind of the rest is history. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've, I, I'm learning from interviewing women how, um, you know, how our reaction to the idea that we might have ADHD is so different, I think, from from so many people who who sort of see an ADHD meme online and they're like, "Oh, ha ha ha, that's relatable." I forget my keys sometimes, and then those of us who re- who react to it with that feeling of like, "Oh my gosh, I feel seen for the first time in my life." Yep. I'm going to research this. I'm going to do nothing but research this. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to join every single group I can think of. I'm going to follow every person who even mentions ADHD. I'm going to like you know that that sort of intensity. It's like, yeah, that's probably a tip off that you're on the right track. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting. I'm also learning a lot about women who had brothers who were diagnosed as kids and it was just completely overlooked uh, because they were well behaved. And like you said, you did well in school. How was what are some of the things when you look back at your childhood where you say like this? Oh, um, oh, my God, that was of course, that was ADHD. The things that pop out to me immediately are my precious daddy saying things like, baby, I'm trying to follow your story, but you're going to have to get to the point. (laughs) That happened a lot. That one came back to me. Um, My intensity in relationships and friendships being just so like, I would, I would hyper-focus on people. Right. And I can never understand why people wouldn't be as open with me. You know, my oversharing, my constant talking. I, I think I'm maybe in a smaller group of women whose hyperactivity manifests physically. So I don't sit still, um, ever. And I remember in college managing bands and being asked at the bar, I didn't drink. My mom is an addict and I knew that, you know, so I was pretty intentional about not drinking before I was 21. And I would be in bars with these bands and people coming up to me like, what do you want? Like, I want some of what you have. And that was so hurtful to me because, um, because of my family history and the fact, the fact that people might think I was on drugs was just like, why would you think that? Do I look like them? You know? And I know that's, I, I don't know, that's a different story, but those are the things that came out to me at first. And then just the idea of bouncing from hobby to hobby and job to job I've held. Well, I've held two jobs in my life for longer than one year. One of them was like just over a year and the other was eight years outside of our business. Um, so things like that. And people saying like, why can't you stay at a job? Cause I would quit. I would not get fired, but I would justify leaving. Right. Like after a year or as I would approach a year, it's like, I would come up, I would start to pick out every potential thing that was damaging for me or bad about the company or bad about the role or how I'd outgrown it. Or they weren't offering me opportunities and, and I would leave and it would get like painful. Like it was like, can't you just push through for a couple more months? I can't, I'm done. I can't. Um, so those are the things that come out most often. And college was a struggle for me. I have credits from four different schools and I don't have a bachelor's degree. I probably have enough credits to have a master's degree and I only have an associate's. And it's just, those are the things that I look back now and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> just like this bright light has been shown on my life, Right. 
Right. I know one woman in, in one of my interviews said it perfectly where she said, I love learning. I just hated school. And I was like, yes. Oh my God. That's like the tagline for all of us. Right. Uh, because I hear that so often of, you know, and myself, you know, I dropped out and went back and dropped out and went back so many times. Over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, like even when you were talking about your history with jobs. I had the same experience. You know, I've never kept a job longer than two years. And usually, yeah, you get to that point where once you've sort of taken the pill and and you've seen that you're, you don't want to be there anymore and you're no longer excited to be there. It's like, you have to leave. And, and, but also like the way in which you sort of think about how it's all your fault, you know, that there's not this sense that like this job doesn't suit you anymore, or this is not serving you, you know, that, that we take on that feeling of like, what's wrong with me in so many realms of our life. Right. Yeah. So then, so you work on a, you do Odin Builds with, with your husband, yep. right? Which is yep. a luxury construction company. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then, but you also have this social media presence of the house that ADHD built. So how did you get started with that? Tell me about the name, how you came up with it. Cause it's awesome. And, yeah, and thank kind of, you. Um, this, I guess this passion project of yours. That's yeah, that's exactly what it is. So um Odin Construction is Braxton's baby. It's his dream. And it's a lot of fun. It, being a business owner was terrifying at first. I was, I pushed back for years because I was terrified of it. Once we finally dove in, I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, so I love that, but it doesn't um, fulfill me in the sense of, I mean, I'm getting there. I'm finding ways where I can um, expose my strengths and I can, I can lean into my strengths in the business. We're kind of figuring that out, but I wasn't, it wasn't, checking the boxes for me. Um, I needed a creative outlet and I needed an outlet where I could, I I just, as boastful as this may sound, I feel like my gift to the world is in um, creating connection and sharing hope and letting people know that despite your struggles, you can still find success. I just truly believe that that's what I'm supposed to do in some capacity. Um, And so a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, I started my first attempt at Instagram and it was called Today in Gratitude. And I started a gratitude accountability group on Facebook and that's still active. Um, so that was my first attempt and it just didn't take off. I just didn't, the passion wasn't there. The passion was there for gratitude, but it wasn't there for anything bigger than that. I didn't really see any direction or clarity. The second I was diagnosed, I'm talking within days, I was like, well, what can I find? So I started diving into Instagram to find a community of women specifically, but anyone who had ADHD and highlighted the fact that they had ADHD and that they were successful. I needed to be surrounded by, you know, I operate under the principle that we are the average of the people we spend the most time around. And I needed, I have a really core group of those people in my real life, but none of them understand the struggles of ADHD. So I needed a space where I could be myself, truly. I could have aspirations and be really ambitious and driven to succeed and want to make money, but also embrace the struggles of mental health and the gaps in mental health and how freaking hard it is to have ADHD and want those things. Like I I just needed that space and that community of people. So I decided I was going to start an Instagram and see what happened. I had absolutely no plan. None. Still don't. But I was brainstorming names and I was like, okay, what can I do? And it, it was just a matter of, I probably have a list somewhere of these silly names that I tried to come up with. The initial goal was to really merge entrepreneurship and ADHD. 
So what we did building and we were just finishing a house, our very first spec home, new construction house that we built start to finish to sell. And so, and my husband also has ADHD. So the house that ADHD built was born because this business that we're building, these homes that we're building are truly homes built by ADHD, right? It's our, um, all of our nuances and our quirks and our, our challenges are what make this business great. So that's where the name came from. I love that. Was, was there anybody in your like real life that has been resistant to this revelation of yours? Yeah. I, well, I take that back. So I think I mentioned, I can't remember if it was previously that I'd started healing some traumas prior to my diagnosis. So I'd already gotten really freaking good at setting boundaries for people who didn't see me as I saw me or people who um, wanted to hinder my success. So those are a lot fewer now than they would have been had I been diagnosed, say, five years ago or 10 years ago. But there are still members um, of our families who um, are still on the train of ADHD is a discipline problem, right? Either by parents or by a person. It's a willpower problem. Um, So yeah, those people still exist in our lives. We don't have conversations with them because not everybody deserves to hear your story, right? We're just going to wave at them as we climb our ladder of success and they're hanging out wondering what's wrong with the world, right? (laughs) Um, So yeah, there are people who resist, but then the majority of people who actually are in my close circle, their response has been, well, yeah, I've known you had ADHD for years. Well, thank you for sharing. Thanks for telling me. (laughs) And guess what? You probably have it too, if we've been friends this long. Well, one of my dearest friends, I've been friends with her for 11 years, and she knows me probably better than most people. When I told her, she finally disclosed that she has ADHD and has known forever. I said to her, why the hell have you never told me? Like, we talk about everything. And she just used to say, she was like, I just assumed you knew she would say she had a doctor's appointment every three months. I thought it was to see her psychiatrist for depression issues. I had no idea. I had no clue. Um, but I'm uncovering how many people in my close circle also have ADHD. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I when I sort of came out on social media when I launched the when I launched the podcast, it was sort of the first time I had ever told, you know, that realm of Facebook and and I had so many people message me who said that they were like, oh, I need to connect yep. you with a friend of mine. She has it and she's struggling and nobody knows. And I was like, you know, I I don't know, maybe. And I think this is an ADHD quality too, which is like not really thinking about the shameful side of it. Just being like, mm-hmm. this is me. This is who I am. And I'm out. And like, you know, never looking back, <laughs> you know, right. never feeling like there's any stigma there. And then now it's only since I've come out that I'm realizing how much people are dealing with this, with the stigma of it and who feel so much shame around it. And I was like, God, I felt so much shame my entire life for all of these other reasons. <laughs> like, yeah. this is like the one Not area, right? This is the one area where I just feel like, like I refuse to feel bad about this or to hide this or to buy into some sense that this is a disability. Right. I think for a lot of people, I know for me personally at this stage of my life, I wouldn't say that I feel shame around the fact that I have ADHD. I feel um, sometimes confused about how to have that conversation because, you know, it's important that that we, at least for Brax and I, and I know most people, you don't ever want it to show up like you're trying to use it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also, so so sometimes I think it's just easier not to discuss it. 
and knowing your audience, right? Knowing like who, like I said, who's worthy of hearing your story. I have this sticky note. I wish I had it in front of me from probably three or four years ago where I had this like epiphany one night while I was writing about, you know, it's important to tell your truth and it's important to be authentic and be unapologetically you. But on the same token, it's also important to know who deserves to see that that version of you. So there's a fine balance between being genuine and being authentic and giving people who haven't earned it access to your life. And so I think that's a lot of what we deal with with ADHD is not everybody needs to know, right? Like I'm, I finally have came to terms with the idea that if they find out, I don't give a shit. Like, sure. Like you, you want to ask, I'll tell you. But I'm not I'm not out to have that conversation with everybody because I just I have too many things that I actually need to worry about to worry about having to share with people who aren't interested in learning. I'll teach all day long to someone who actually wants to be educated. But if you just want to argue or debate, I'm not interested. I don't have time for that, truly. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and what about your daughter? You have a teenage daughter. She's what, 17, you said? 17, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what about her? Has she, does she have symptoms or? So it's su- such an interesting um, observation, right? So her dad has ADHD. I have ADHD and both of her step parents do. Both of her younger half brothers do. Um, so I think the answer is yes, she does. She has been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. So even further reason to believe that, yes, she probably does. And her therapist has, you know, said, we probably should discuss this further because she thinks she does. But what's so interesting watching her is how put together she is. Mm -hmm. So different um, than me in a lot of ways. And I know that does not rule out the fact that she can have ADHD. She's just got some hella good coping strategies. Um, her social life through middle school and freshman year of high school was hell. It was really hard. So we had a lot of tough conversations, but that kid is, she's so resilient and she is so unapologetically herself. I mean, I, she's not me at all. She's so different than me in so many ways. And she has no problem letting me know that. And I love that about her. She's fearless. She does not give a crap what anybody thinks for her birthday this past year. I had, um, some of her friends, share their favorite parts about her with really a lot of curiosity of, are they going to see her the way I see her? And they all, the theme was she loves her people hard and she doesn't give a crap what anybody thinks she'll stand up for herself and she's kind and also brave. And I was just like, Holy shit. Like you couldn't ask for anything else. And she has some really solid systems. She struggles academically. I said she struggles. School is a challenge for her. She doesn't struggle. She makes great grades, but she works her ass off to make good grades. So all that to say, we're probably going to reevaluate um, as she goes into her senior year to make sure she has the right tools. But as of right now, she's not been diagnosed. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's probably a, a strong likelihood that that she also has ADHD. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes I think there's always that sense that like once you get a diagnosis, then you need to treat it either with meds or in some way. And I've, a lot of the times I feel like just the diagnosis and the awareness itself is the treatment, you know, and, and, and sort of, you know, my daughter's only 13, but I sort of, as I'm evaluating and I have a nine-year-old son, so I'm constantly like evaluating everything they do, which is like, is it, isn't it? Who, who got it? Who caught it from me? You know? (laughs) And, and she's also, like you said, like she's, she's very organized and she's really great at setting herself up for success in a way that maybe my nine-year-old isn't 
right now. And I certainly wasn't. And so I, you know, I see different qualities in both of them that could go back to this. And again, you know, it's this idea of like, it doesn't mean that every person who is diagnosed then has to go through this cookie cutter you know, regimen of like meds and, and right. uh, whatever else to, to fix them. You know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, everybody has their own, their own path. Do you ever think with your kids that the reason like your daughter, for example, the reason that she is so far ahead of where you were is because you've learned those strategies and you've been able to teach her those strategies from a young age so she can implement the things that we've learned work for us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even before this diagnosis, I feel like, I mean, so much of parenting is like redemption, you know, so much of parenting (laughs) is getting to like redo your childhood over again for better or worse. And so, yeah, I mean, this is one thing that my husband and I talk about all the time, which is like getting a diagnosis for them as soon as possible. He sort of worries about, like you had said before, he sort of sees it as like, well, there's the stigma or they might sort of use it as an excuse to not work as hard. And, and I'm just like, you know, I'm constantly saying like, no, just knowing who you are and why things are happening and why you do what you do is so important, especially at that age. And I think back like how my life would have been so different if I had known that at a time in, in middle school when my grades went off a cliff and, and I started feeling like what's wrong with me. But yeah, absolutely. Especially when it comes to like the big projects, studying for the big projects, I see her really struggling. It's very easy to take notes and it's very easy to prepare. But when it comes to actually like entering into, you know, starting, getting a project started, she really struggles. And I was like, oh, yes. I just, I do think they both like can, can benefit from me, even if they don't have it, just, you know, those hacks. and Yeah, exactly. Um, they help everybody. Gabrielle went to a Montessori school and in fourth grade, they had no homework or tests. It was just all project-based and it was hell getting through that year, but it's the greatest thing that ever happened because they just learned so much about how to navigate those, those situations when they're older, you know, and hell, I learned so much from what they taught at the school, you know, and it's, it's really interesting. Kids can be so enlightening. But yeah, I agree with getting a diagnosis as soon as possible because I've always said that the diagnosis for me was like finally being been being given the correct key to start my car. Like I've been trying to hotwire my brain my entire life and guessing at which key worked. And now finally somebody was like, oh, it's this one. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. I love that one. Um, yeah, I think I've said like, I feel like you're walking around in your house and there's a foot of water everywhere and you don't know why. And you're just like, where is this coming from? Why is there a foot of water everywhere? And like, you know, for the most part, you can like jump up on furniture and you can do stuff, but you're still like, why is there a foot of water in my house? And then somebody just tells you like, oh, the tap is on. You just have to like fix the tap. And and even if you yeah. don't get, even if the foot of water doesn't go away right away, at least you know the source and you're like, right. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's game changing. Right. It's that sense of relief for sure. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. 
set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. Uh, so now how did you ever take meds? Are you on meds? What's your relationship with that? Nope. So I haven't yet. I'm not ruling it out. In fact, I'm I'm slowly inching closer to to trying meds. Um, like I said, I have a family history of addiction and specifically my mom was addicted to prescription medication my entire childhood. I've been in no contact with her for over 15 years now. Um, so I have not only a stigma around prescription medication that exists specifically in my family, but also just a real fear of what that can look like for me. So it's always hell, even with, I'm sorry, I'll try to stop cursing. Um, even with, um, blood pressure medication. I was 22 and diagnosed with high blood pressure, which that's a story for a different day. But I was very intentional about, I need to make sure that I'm doing everything within my control prior to taking medication. And I feel the same way about ADHD. I want to make sure that I'm using all of my tools, all of my strategies, coaches, therapists. And once I feel confident that I am maxed out on reaching my potential with the tools that are available to me, then I'm ready to add medication because then I'll, I'll know that I can truly add it as a tool and not look to it as, as like a replacement for other strategies. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm approaching there and my husband went back on medication. I think about four months ago, he was on it as a child. His parents took him off of it and then tried again briefly right after college, um, in his first big boy job. Um, but he went to his family doctor and we grew up in a very small town and they put him on basically an antidepressant. So that wasn't helpful. So he went off of it. And the same thing a few months ago, he decided after talking with his therapist, like I've, I've maxed out with my intelligence and my strategies. I need a little bit of something. Um, and so he's on the lowest dose and takes it twice a day, you know, a few days a week. And it's been really helpful for him and watching his experience has been helpful for me. I know everyone's experience is different, but it's given me a little bit of comfort in knowing that it's truly just, an assistant. It's just an extra strategy or an extra tool. Um, so I don't know. I think I will try it at some point, but up until now I have not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I I feel like there should be more literature or more discussion on this fact, on the fact that a lot of us are terrified of medication because so many of us have that history with addiction and, and, you know, what does that conversation look like? You know, like, uh, because we do talk about the fact that so many of us have a history of, with addiction, but we don't talk about that as much, I think, in terms of like what that means in this realm of medication where like it's such a mixed bag. Some people talk about it like it was life changing and other people yeah. talk about it like I've been, I've tried 12 different types and I'm still trying and and it's not helping. And I, you know, I just started I just went off the med- the first time I tried medication. I tried Vyvanse for a couple of weeks and just went off it because I it wasn't doing what I needed it to do. Not that I even really can articulate what that is, you know, yeah. but sort of like, I don't know if I go, if I'm back to square one and I start something else, or if I'm just like, no, you know, maybe I have, maybe I do have enough tools in my toolbox that that medication Mm -hmm. is not going to do anything right now. But, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always that looming sense of like, is this going to change my life? And what will that look like? I don't even know. Yeah. And will that change me? Yeah. Because I'd done so much work around self-love and like I said, healing traumas prior to my diagnosis, I'd really grown to embrace all of me. I genuinely 
love me now. Like I enjoy my company. I, I finally, for the first time in my life can see my good qualities. I can, I've recognized my gifts. Now don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that I don't, I don't recognize my faults and my character flaws and things I need to improve. I'm constantly working on self-improvement, but those things no longer overshadow like what I know is good about me. So there's also a little bit of fear of how much of what I love about me can be attributed to ADHD and will medication take that away? That was a big fear for me. It didn't happen with the Vivance, which was, you know, I love the the one thing that I always clung to that was like the best part about me was the manic hyper-focused part of me because that's when I felt the most alive, you know, and it was the one thing I clung to when there was so much of my life that I felt was failing. Mm-hmm. I sort of always felt like I had this one part of me that worked. And yeah, I was really concerned that that was going to be taken away. I think that's probably a fear a it's lot scary. of us have. Yeah. So t- speaking of self-acceptance, I love your uh, fun fails Fridays, right? Can you tell me about that idea and, and tell our listeners what that is? I think, um, the two biggest things that have saved me on my path to whatever path I'm on to success in what that looks like, whatever, um, are gratitude and yeah, self-acceptance, self-love. And, and just the idea that every human on the planet makes mistakes. We just tend to highlight our hours more. And we, um, because of what life looks like for us growing up, we tend to default to the negative. And we also tend to feel like every mistake, um, is the end of the world. Like it's just gonna, it means we can't go any further. So fun feels right. I don't even remember. Oh, I I think early on in my Instagram, I wanted to start like calling out ADHD moments and just in a sense of like talking about it. And as you were saying, like normalizing that conversation, like recognizing, because again, my goal was to show people that they weren't alone in this, that you could have these, these exact struggles and still find success and happiness in your life. And so the first attempt was like ADHD moments and then it was just fun fails. And then I was like, well, what can I do? And then in learning about Instagram, I learned the power of reels, like how important it is to be consistent with, with creating these reels. And so I, I tried one and it was really fun and it got a great response. And so then I just, I don't know, just, it just kept going. And I, I just got, I get so much positive feedback, probably more than anything else on my account that people look forward to it or um, it saves them going into the weekend. It helps them kind of turn their brain off and understand that they can relax going into the weekend. And that is exactly what I'm shooting for because Lord knows we are bad at that. Um, we are constantly battling the idea that we haven't done enough. We, we aren't productive enough. We haven't earned time to rest or we can't rest until we catch up. And that's just not real life. And Brax and I are navigating that in the business right now, how important it is to take those breaks and to create rest and have a day or two days off, you know, at least to refresh and reset. Despite the fact, if you stared at your computer three days during the week and you couldn't make your brain go, if you are constantly forcing yourself to go, it's just a vicious cycle. So my hope is that people can watch that, find a little bit of comic relief and, and see that they're not alone. And then also be reminded, like, you don't have to earn breaks. Like this is, this is your reminder. You, you, it is a right, not a privilege to take some rest and reset and start again. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that was, that has been really helpful for me to talk to, to realize that the breaks are a necessary side effect of the fact that you do <clears throat> the fact that you're hyper-focusing or the fact that you're yeah. working so hard at something that your, your body needs those breaks. And, and for whatever reasons, we sort of default to that, 
that sense of like, oh, I'm being lazy or, oh, I'm, I'm not doing anything. Like I should be more productive and all these ways in which we kind of gaslight ourselves. And I think, um, yeah, that's been really, I, I so appreciate my rest time way more since yes. my diagnosis than I ever did before, because I used to sort of feel like what's wrong with me that, mm-hmm. and again, and I've often said this in other interviews too, which is like, I, the reason why I didn't think I had ADHD in the beginning was because I didn't feel hyperactive. I, in fact, I felt like there were long periods of time where I was unproductive. And I think that's another thing we sort of associate hyperactivity and productivity a lot of the time. Yes. That some of my, prior to my diagnosis, some of the most challenging times for me is exactly what you're talking about. Cause I always say that on the days where I feel extra hyperactive, when it's like super engaged, I feel like there are a swarm of bees in my body trying to get out. It's just this like buzzing, almost painful energy. I mean, truly. And there's really nothing that I can do to expel it, but it doesn't translate to energy to get things done. That's a completely different kind of energy. And that's what was really hard for me to learn. And I think it's hard for people to understand if ADHD was just having a lot of energy and getting easily distracted, we would all be in really good shape. Um, But it's not, you know, it's this, it's this overdrive of energy that we can't, or of focus that we can't control. We can't direct where, but that, that's what's so tough about it is, those days where I feel most hyperactive, I'm probably least productive. And that's so counterintuitive. And for people who haven't experienced it, they just can't understand that. What are some of the um, resources? You said you the first book you listened to was the You Meet So You Meet I'm Not Crazy, which is funny because I almost exclusively listen to audiobooks. I can't like read books anymore. And I was really frustrated because that particular book was an abridged version on Audible. And and it was funny because I was like, I don't want an abridged version. Like the the ADHD part of me that wants to like deep dive, I don't want to feel like I'm missing anything from this book. And I was like, how did they not understand that? Like you can't give it a bridge. Like I understand that I'm probably going to listen to it on three times the speed I'm supposed to listen to it. Yes. I may not even finish it, but you can't like give somebody with ADHD an abridged version of anything. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but I did, I really, I'm, I'm glad you sort of recommended that book because it, it is one, it was always, it's always on the list of like, you know, yeah, recommended books. Well, I think because it, it highlights those trigger words, right? Like I've been, the lazy is such a bad word to me now. It's, oh man. Um, so that one really struck me. Right. Um, and interestingly enough, I haven't read a ton of other ADHD specific books. Driven to Distraction is one that I own, but I have not read it. Um, but the the books that I've read that were helpful, I think that's what you're asking, right? Yes. The what what are the resources? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um Jessica, is it McCabe, her how to ADHD YouTube videos? Yes. Were really, really helpful in understanding. Um, and then as far as books goes, the ones that have been most impactful for me are Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass books. Um, okay. Like, I would say if ever there was a book who or that changed my life a lot and almost instantly, it was her book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. I had a lot of really poor limiting beliefs around money and not to sound greedy, but the idea of like, 
because of my limitations throughout life, like how was I ever going to earn enough to create the life that I wanted or to give Gabrielle the life that she deserved? So that book was, was really, really empowering for me. And it's funny. So it, um, I was able to get through it like fast. Um, and her other books, you are a badass. And now I'm reading you are a badass or badass habits every day. Mm. She's just a great writer and I really relate to her and, and I can read it well. And, and her stuff is so, all of her books have real life applications. So at the end of every chapter, there's like a one page worksheet. So things that you can actually apply. So I love that about it. Um, and then Brene Brown, anything Brene Brown that you can get your hands on. It's not ADHD specific, but she's a, um, a therapist or a, she has a master's in social work and a PhD and her PhD research was all around shame. So if you're not familiar with her, her conversations about shame and guilt and vulnerability and living a wholehearted life are, I mean, just incredible. She is my, I don't know, like my, my shining guide in light. Um, the book Gifts of Imperfections is another one that I, it's short. It's an easy read. I would recommend that to anyone who's on this journey because it kind of helps us remember that, again, we can be happy and healthy and successful and also imperfect. And that's just really powerful, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and yeah, I love her stuff. And I actually, I, I love the fact that she reads her own books because I love her drawl. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, um, and her Ted talks too are also really great. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point in terms of, uh, I think hopefully most of us came to her and were drawn to her intuitively, even before a diagnosis, simply because of the fact that we struggle so much yeah. with, with shame and that sense of failure that she really is kind of tailor-made for right. people who've, who've struggled, women who struggle with that. Yeah. And I think too, um, I've, I kind of initially was like, gosh, I really need to read more ADHD books and I really need to be able to have these conversations um, more about ADHD specific resources. But the fact of the matter is, like I said, it's like I've been given the right key. I've read books about time management, all kind of things prior to my diagnosis. And I would beat myself up when things didn't work. But now I can read those same things and adapt them to what I know about myself. Um, so I'm not, I'm trying really hard to, not to force things in life, right? And so if something, like you said, draws me in, then I feel like I'm supposed to have that knowledge and I can do whatever I want with it, right? So it doesn't have to, I would say that it doesn't have to be ADHD specific or psychology specific even. You can be inspired or you can find lessons or guidance in even in fiction books. I mean, heck, Harry Potter for me. Um, I didn't read it as a kid, even though I'm like the perfect, like I am the Harry Potter generation. I didn't read it until I was 22. Um, but so many things in that book, it's like, oh, wow, like Dumbledore, you know, happiness can be found in the darkest of times if only one remembers to turn on the light. Like, what? Of course. Yeah, just freaking turn on the light. <laughs> we just have to be told and reminded over and over and over again. Um, oh shoot. You were, when you were talking, you reminded me of something and now I forgot what it was. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. Um, oh, oh, you know that you had, you had mentioned early on about the DBT and that's another one I feel like is such an, uh, a useful tool for people with ADHD. If we haven't already incorporated it into our lives, 
pre-diagnosis. Um, I think that's something that's definitely on my like checklist of things that I have helped 100%. me tremendously. And, and again, just that idea of like separating your, your identity from your thoughts is so important and, and such great work. Yeah. It's, I only did six weeks. Um, I hope to, to do more. I'm in between therapists now. Um, I was working with a therapist on betterhelp.com and she was amazing. Um, but I'm looking for someone local now and I, I hope to kind of dive down that road again. Um, she recommended a short amount of time because I already had such a vast understanding of, I'd already kind of started the work without knowing that I'd started the work prior to. Um, but I'm hoping to find somebody that can take me deeper, right? Like with anything, we can only take ourselves so far because, an external force like watching and offering insight is just invaluable, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think so many of us are like r- love puzzles and we love trying to figure things out mm-hmm. and we sort of love. Yeah, yes. Like we're not supposed to do it alone. And that's, that's a really hard uh, concept to internalize. Like, you don't have to do this alone. My husband um, struggles with that ideal pretty seriously in the business. He was like, I feel like if I'm going to be successful to the level of success that I want, then I, I need to learn how to do these things. Like, I need to be capable of doing this myself. And he's truly probably the most intelligent human that I know. And I know a lot of really smart people and probably the hardest working but no single human is supposed to be able to do everything. You know, you're supposed to specialize, right? And um, it's okay to delegate. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to outsource. Like, not not just okay, but as ADHDers, the more we can automate in our lives, the better off we are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we talked about uh, your Instagram handle at the house that ADHD built. And what, how are, what are some other ways that people can find you or reach out to you or work with you and your husband? You're in yeah, South Carolina. We are. Yep. We're in, we're in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, the house that ADHD built, my email address is the house that ADHD built at gmail.com. Um, the domain is reserved. So there is a website forthcoming, but don't ask me when, cause I don't know yet. I promised to launch a blog in October and here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm also writing with um, ADHD Lifestyle Magazine. So if you're not oh, already yeah. following them. No, I did. I wanted to ask about your involvement in that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's relatively new too, right? Brand new. Yep. So the first issue that featured um, an interview with Brax and myself launched in October and issue number one just launched in January. It's going to be quarterly. Um, I'm going to be writing an uh column, uh, whatever called, um, ask an entrepreneur or ask a Brie. Um, so that's kind of what I'm going to be doing there. Stephanie, who's founded that is incredible. And we were just instant friends, just instant connection. Um, and so, yeah, the website hopefully will be up in a month or two. I'm prioritizing it now. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but, um, I'm always open to chat and, um, always looking for ways to collaborate because I think this awareness is really important. And I think we are watching, um, I don't know if you always hear like the housing bubble and the tech bubble. I think we're watching a mental health bubble form right now. Mm. Right. Um, and I'm excited to be a part of it. And I am always down for conversation and always down for learning and collaborating and looking for ways to make our reach as a community 
bigger. Like how can we get in front of more people and explain what ADHD really is and how society can benefit from harnessing the power of ADHDers, right? All right. Well, I will let you go. Thank you so much. It was really great talking to you and hearing your story. And thank you so much, Katie. I look forward to connecting moving forward. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.